Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today, we're going to be taking a look at Blondie doing her show at Cardiff Arena. So, looking at what's going on, the show is near enough built from the moment I stepped in the building. It's a five truck show and two tour buses, so a medium sized show. And looking at the stage, which is pretty much all ready to go as we speak, we've got four lighting bars. So LX1, 2, 3 and 4. We have a LED screen, which is the uh, transparent type, which is, which is higher resolution and incredibly sharp. And then we have two smaller screens, stage left and stage right, with the same materials. So yet again, the translucent glass stuff and oh god damn it looks great it really does we have line arrays that are 14 deep and two wide and then set further back you have the small line array which is positioned at 45 degrees to give the surround sound effect and in front of the stage stage left and stage right you have two walls of subs which are at three high and five wide and then you have a couple of subs in the middle of the stage as well. And on top of that, you also have six front fills which are pointed directly outwards from the stage. Tonight's event is a hybrid event, so it's partially seated and predominantly standing. The band is all set up. It's on three different risers on the main stage. So you've got the drum riser, you have the keys riser, so the keys is going to be uh, keyboards and synths and then you have the uh, guitar riser stage left on the uh, back of the stage you have got another long riser that goes all the way along the back with floor standing moving lights which are all profile units and then you also have stage left and stage right on the, st on the floor of the stage some more moving lights that are, f that are floor standing so there's nothing massively technical on this on this uh, lighting design with the exception of the translucent LED screen. You have the LED floods which are also uh, strobes and washes so multi-purpose units as well as a uh, load of LED as well as a load of LED washers and some LED uh, profiles which are also doubling up. Not only are they giving general coverage but they also double up as robo spots so we have a nice array of lights on there all kept basic because with the screen the screen makes up most of the design as it's going to outshine a lot of the lights so they're not going to spend loads of money on lights that will have no dramatic impact i'd assume that a lot of the uh, washers are being used purely for the fact just to light the stage and a few chasers with it because the uh, screen is going to do most of the legwork along with some of the floor standing moving lights. So at the end of the day, Blondie, 80s icon, they're just going to do 80s style lighting with the modern technology and it will look great. I guarantee you it's going to look bright in your face and bold. We'll be back after this. So not only does Monster X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. 
the first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all of these books are in the description below. Deborah Ann Harry, born Angela Trimble, July the 1st, 1945, is an American singer, songwriter and actress known as the lead vocalist of the band Blondie. Her recordings with the band reached number one in US and UK charts on many occasions from 1979 all the way up to 2017. Born in Miami, Florida, Harry, Harry was adopted as an infant and raised in Hawthorne, New Jersey. After attending college, she worked various jobs, including as a secretary, including at the BBC in New York, dancer and playboy bunny, before breaking through in the music industry. Harry co-formed Blondie in 1974 in New York City. The band released their eponymous debut album in 1976 and released a further three albums between then and 1979, including Parallel Lines, which spawned six singles, including Heart of Glass, their fifth album, Auto American in 1980 afforded Harry and the band further attention such hits as a cover of The Tide Is High and Rapture, the latter of which is considered the first rap song to chart at number one in the United States. They're testing the line arrays at the moment if you don't know already, if you can't already hear that noise. Um, let's continue. In 1981, Harry released her debut solo album, Cuckoo and during the hiatus of Blondie, embarked on an acting career appearing in lead roles in Neo Noir Union City in 1980 and David Cronenberg's body horror film Videodrome in 1983. She released her second solo album Rockbird in 1986 and, sub and subsequently starred in John Walters' cult dance film Hairspray in 1988. Harry went on to release two more solo albums between then and 1993, after which she returned to film with roles in a John Carpenter-directed segment of the horror film Body Bags in 1993 and the drama Heavy in 1995. Blondie reunited in the late 1990s, releasing No Exit in 1999, followed by The Curse of Blondie in 2003. Harry continued to appear in independent films throughout the 2000s, including Juice's Wild in 2002, My Life Without Me in 2003, and LG in 2008. With Blondie, she released the group's ninth studio album Panic of Girls in 2011, followed by Ghosts of Download in 2014. The band's 11th studio album in 2017's Pollinator charted at number 4 in the United Kingdom. Harry was in a relationship with, with the Blondie guitarist Chris Stein. The pair split up in 1987 but remained friends. In 2011, Harry said that she and Stein were both drug users during their relationship and that they had spent time in a rehabilitation clinic and no longer used drugs. 
Harry's godmother to Stein's two daughters. In 2014, Harry revealed that she had had several relationships with women in her youth. In her 2019 memoir, Face It, Harry describes having been raped at knife point during a burglary of the home she shared with Stein. Jesus Christ. She also wrote in Face It that during the early 1970s, the serial killer Ted Bundy lured her into her car, into his car in New York City, but she escaped. Harry's description of the white vehicle ships on the inside and missing the passenger door handle matched the 1968 VW Bundy was driving, but authorities believed him to be in Florida at the time. Anne Rule, an author of the Bundy biography, The Stranger Besides Me, commented that erroneous claims of Bundy abductions are not uncommon. As of 2019, Harry lives part-time in New York City and part-time in, in Monmouth County, New Jersey, together with her four dogs. In a 2011 interview, Harry said that after witnessing Elton John and his tireless efforts against HIV and AIDS, she had been inspired to make philanthropy a top priority. She said, these things are important to my life now. I have the privilege of being able to get involved, so I do. I applaud people like Elton John who have used their position to do so much good. Some of Harry's preferred charities include, include those devoted to fighting cancer and endometriosis. So, this is uh, Blondie and Harry's uh, discography. So the studio albums, you've got Cuckoo in 1981, Rockbird in 1986, Death, Dumb and Blondie in 1989, Debreviation in 1993, Necessary Evil in 2007, and the compilations and other albums. You've got One More Time in the Bleach in 1998, Debbie, Harry, Debbie, Harry and Blondie, and you have Competitive... A complete picture. Uh, a complete picture. The very best of Deborah Harry and Blondie in 1991. Deborah Harry collection in 1998. Most of all, the best of Deborah Harry in 1999. So a nice little bit of info on Blondie. It's going to be interesting to see the show next. We'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast, there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong, offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So Johnny Marr, born John Martin Mayer on the 31st of October 1963, is an English musician, songwriter and singer. He first achieved fame as a guitarist and co-writer of The Smiths, who were active from 1982 to 1987. He has since performed with numerous other bands and embarked on a solo career. Born in Manchester to Irish parents, Marr, Marr formed his first band at the age of 13. He was part of several bands with Andy Rourke before forming The Smiths with Morrissey in 1982. The Smiths attained commercial success and were critically acclaimed, with Marr's jangle pop guitar style becoming distinctive of the band's sound, and separate, but separated in 1987 due to personal differences between Marr and Morrissey. Since then, Marr has been a member of The Pretenders, There There, Electronic, Modest House and The Cribs 
and he has also become a, a prolific session musician working with names such as Talking Hands and Hans Zimmer. Having released an album titled Boomslang in 2003 under the name Johnny Marr and the Healers, Marr released his first solo album The Messenger in 2013. His second solo album Playland was released in 2014 followed by a third called A Comet in 2018. Marr's autobiography Set, Set the Boy Free was published in 2016. Marr was, was voted the fourth best guitarist of the last 30 years in a poll conducted by the BBC in 2010. Phil Alexander, editor-in-chief of Mojo, described him as arguably Britain's last great guitar stylist. In 2013, NME honoured Marr with, with its Godlike Genius Award, not content with rewriting the history of music with one of the world's greatest ever bands, The Smiths. He continued to push boundaries and evolved throughout his career, working with some of the best and most exciting artists on the planet. Ma has used a variety of guitars throughout his career, but these are his most notable instruments. The Fender Jaguar, he has played a Jaguar since 2005, and in 2012 Fender issued the Johnny Marr signature Fender Jaguar, which has several modifications including specially voiced Johnny Marr custom pickups and four position blade switch. The Rickenbacker 330. This guitar is mostly is most often associated with Ma due to its jangly sound for which he is known. He played it with the Smiths and can also be seen in the promotional video for Vivid by Electronic. He also owns a 360 12 string model that belonged to Pete Townsend. Ma acknowledged that many of the songs that were thought to have been recorded on this Rickback. Rickenbacker were in fact recorded on a Fender Telecaster, Fender Stratocaster. Johnny Marr used a 1962 Fender Stratocaster to record There Is A Light That Never Goes Out and for much of the Smiths 1986 UK and US tours. He also used a 1963 Fender Stratocaster to record The Boy with a thorn in his side, which was one of his main guitars in the 1986 tour. Fender Telecaster. While Marr was associated with the Rickenbacker 330. He admitted that many of the jangly songs that were recorded by the Smiths were in fact done with John Porter's 1954 telecast, including This Charming Man. Gibson Les Paul. Marr owns several, including a rare 1960 model. His Cardinal Red Les Paul was acquired in 1984 and was used extensively with the Smiths and with the there appearing in the video for Dogs of Lust. He has now added a Bigsby Tremelo system to his guitar as well as Seymour Duncan pickups with coil taps. He gave his 1960 model, also previously owned by Pete Townsend, to Noel Gallagher during Oasis's formative years. Gallagher broke the guitar's neck hitting a fan who jumped on stage. Marlon gave Gallagher yet another vintage black Gisborne Les Paul used on much of The Queen Is Dead so Oasis could carry on touring. Gibson ES355, his cherry red model was used heavily in the Smiths during the 1984 and inspired suede guitarist Bernard Butler and Al Gallagher to buy one for themselves. It was bought for him by Seymour Stein in New York as an incentive for the Smiths to sign to his label, Sire Records. He also owns a black model which appears in the video for Forbidden City and For You by Electronic and a sunburst 12 string model that was used heavily in the Smiths' final LP, Strange Ways, Here We Come. This 12 string model was later given to Bernard Butler. 
Gibson SG. Ma used the Cherry Red SG as his main guitar when playing with the Healers. He also owns a unique Blonde SG. Fender Jazzmaster. Ma used several Jazzmasters whilst a member of the Modest Mouse. Ma has used Fender amplifiers almost exclusively throughout his career. During his time with the Smiths he used a Twin Reverb, a Dulux Reverb and a Bassman amongst others. He has also used the Fender Champ with the with the there and the cribs when playing with the cribs he is a super reverb mars love of the fender sound continues to this day with his dulux reverb he has used other amps including the roland jc120 vox ac30 mesa boogie and marshall cabinets mar typically uses boss effects units notably that company ce2 chorus effect the tw1 touch wah-wah pedal and the od2 overdrive pedal in 2007, Ma was appointed using a visiting professor in music at the University of Salford, where he delivered an inaugural lecture on the 4th of November 2008, and a series of workshops and masterclasses to students on the BA Honours Popular Music and Recording Programme. On the 19th of July 2012, he received an honorary doctorate from the University of Salford for outstanding achievements and changing the face of British guitar music. On the 3rd of November 2018, Ma unveiled a plaque to his parents' hometown, Athy, in County Kilda, Ireland. This was part of Made of Athy project. On the 19th of January 2012, Ma received the Boss Lifetime Achievement Award as part of the NAMM Music Industry Trade Show. Now we've had a fair amount of info on Johnny Ma, let's see how his performance went down. We'll be back after this. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So, Johnny Marr, his intro started with some slow music. Slow lighting. I want to say slow lighting. Lights are just scanning the audience really slowly. And the LED had a distorted silhouette image of Johnny Marr and his guitar. Twice. I want to say twice, it would be one was left and one was on the right. Anyways, lighting wise, Johnny Marr had two rows of LED flood, well, the LED flood strobes. Yeah, they could be either or. Uh, so LX1 and, and he had some on LX3, I believe. And those are there just to illuminate the audience or uh, to give some uh, dramatic emphasis to parts of the song. So it'd follow the bass line, for example, or the kick drum. They weren't used throughout the whole of his uh, hour-long set. No, uh, they're just there for some of the, some of the bigger songs. 
and as I said it's there to light the audience and uh, give a nice little in-sequence light like um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind if, you, uh, if you've seen that movie where the uh, different lights would light up in sequence to the song and that's how, how they did it um, he had one row of LED washers backlighting the stage which were on LX4 and you know because they're lower down than the rest of it because it was yet again rates that LX1 was high LX2 was a little bit lower, LX3 was a little bit lower than that, and LX4 was a little bit lower than that, and which is just above the screen height. And yeah, so his uh, LED washers were backlighting him, and he had a little bit of front light from LX1 as well. So not anything really special per se, because it was Blondie's lighting rig, and Blondie's team was kind enough to let him have a lot more use than most people would normally get when they're supporting uh, on a rig like that. But anyways, so his lighting was a combination of flash and trash. And when I say flash and trash, everything just flashing and washers. And that was pretty much it because Johnny Marr didn't need any of the, any of the uh, big expensive uh, toys or uh, go for the full scale uh, massive lighting effects. He just wanted it to be seen. That's all he wanted was to be seen on stage. Sound-wise, it was very bass-heavy in the mix, though I would say it is a gold standard in the sound clarity, but it wasn't the 22 karat clarity. It's more like 18 karat clarity. That's where some of some of the vocals got lost within the uh, bass, or some of the instruments just kind of merged together. It just wasn't as clear as it could have been but it's just the different styles of that uh, mixing. It wasn't bad, it wasn't terrible, it didn't sound like a shed, and it didn't sound echoey and full of reverb. For me, it was just a bit too bass heavy, so certain things got bled out, but not too much though. Now performance-wise, Johnny Marr had a great set with his uh, unique guitar sound being prominent throughout. Vocally, Johnny Marr still has a good voice, and it's just as good as it always has been. And he interacted really well with the band, I have to say. Uh, you know, where they're not just on there to be uh, paid as a day job. They're there enjoying themselves, playing together. And it came across really well. Really well. And one thing that I found was that was brilliant. One of his 80s songs, I don't know the name of it. The drummer stood up from the main kit, turned to his right, and there was the electronic drums. And is hammering away at those and at the same time the uh, bass player went stage right to a nice little keyboard perch and he was just doing some uh, bass riffs on the uh, keyboard because he was give it the whole purpose for that was to recreate the actual 80s sound that he had originally and it was good it was fun to watch that actually very fun to watch that it's like ah yes so that's how they created those sounds on the uh, old electronic devices and it's good though it really is now how did the audience respond to the show well considering most of the audience were in for Johnny Marr they were there for him and Blondie not consequently for Johnny Marr because he was there as a support they were there because they really wanted to see Johnny Marr and they really wanted to see Blondie Hence why most of the audience were in uh, <laughs> at the start of Johnny Marr's set. And it was really, really good. Really good. Every uh, every song 
commanded a massive, massive round of applause. There was lots of cheering, lots of singing, lots of dancing. And it was really, really great to see something like that, especially from a supporting artist such as Johnny Marr, who is actually an A-list artist. And I suppose he just wanted to get back out on tour after the pandemic and not have the expense of going out on tour, i.e. being on the supporting artist. And then I'm sure that he'll go out on his own, under his own steam, on as his own headliner at some point in the future. But what a way to get back into the live performance when, uh, everyone, when everyone's trying to get back and recover from the pandemic. Great lighting rig. Great tour. And... We'll come when we come back. We'll go over Blondie's performance. We'll be back after this. Thirty Years Since is a sci-fi story podcast, which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person, so it, the characters just telling a monologue. And then the second series and onwards became more third person, so it was more of an in-depth story. And uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other. Great set of sci-fi stories. So, 30 years after an alien invasion, which uh, the humans lost. And the first story arc is now over. So we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since. So why not check it out? The links are in the description below. And we're back. So Blondie's show started in absolute blackout. And then the overture came on. Yet again, another show with an overture from someone else's music. And it was, and the song was For The Damaged, Coda and as an overture it's an interesting one to pick I have to say really interesting one <laughs> anyways so as the overture started you had banks of lights fading down and then going into blackout then you had some lights scanning the stage very very slowly and then once the lights had finished scanning around the screen started up with a uh, faux static effect, which looked really good actually. It reminded me of looking straight at an 80s style television set where you've got your eyes really close up and yeah, and that kind of static really hurts your eyes. If you uh, remember doing that from back in the day, if not, then you've missed out as being a kid. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> then... As soon as the static finished, you had a you had a comic book image of King Kong holding a comic book image of Debbie Harris, a uh, young Debbie Harris. And with that image, you had sirens, people screaming and shouting, guns and explosions. And then the band walked on, and ba and Blondie started the show with Ex Offender. Lighting wise. The design was bringing the 70s and 80s lighting design into the modern world with the new LED technology. Blondie just had general washes after general wash after general wash, which occasionally flashed around uh, and went in chases. 
but it was predominantly washers and you also had the LED flood strobes just lighting up the audience doing the uh, <laughs> doing what they're doing with Johnny Marr but bigger because they used all four banks of them and the hidden bank behind the LED screen. That LED screen did most of the legwork for the whole show with all the bright 80s style images, the up, the bold neon lines, the uh, tesseracts, the 3D images that were drawn on in bold leery colours and this LED screen was the translucent glass screen. She spent the money on the screen because she wanted really sharp images and the screen, as I said, did the legwork. That's why they kept the bulk of light in as washers because that LED screen is that bright. It bleeds out most of the lighting effects from most conventional lights. It does. There's no way to avoid it unless you turn the brightness of the screen down, which means there's no point because you won't be able to see what's coming through the screen because it's a transparent glass screen. <laughs> At points you had the hidden bank of the, these LED flood strobe units which were just blasting through uh, the screen at some points as well. It looked really, really amazing. And I have to say, she definitely hired the right people to give the right kind of 3D LED artwork. Especially when they'd bring in 80s style visual effects uh, into the modern era with the modern technology, it just looked really, really amazing. I'll tell you now, if you're up close to that screen and just looked at some of those effects, you might even get an epileptic fit. That's how bright and sharp those images were on that screen. It was amazing to look at. I love that screen. Really expensive kit, but I love that screen. Hence why they don't spend as much on the lighting if they got the screen because there's no point to it because the screen does all the legwork. Soundwise, once again, we hit the gold standard, but it just wasn't quite the 22 karat clarity. And just like James Mark, it was more of an 18 karat clarity where certain things got bled out. But there's a reason for this for Blondie. People forget that Debbie Harris is 76 years old. She's 76 and she's doing really well for a 76 year old to do an hour and 45 minute set on a daily basis. What, five, day, five days a week for as long as the tour lasts? What, about just shy of a month? And wow, she still could hit certain notes. She could still sing the songs, but because of her age, her vocal range has lowered dramatically. She can't hit the high notes like she used to and for long periods of time like she used to as well. So she'd rework the songs around it. And instead of doing these long high notes, she would go down an octave or speak those bits, but do it, but speak it dramatically that those long uh, lyrics would be, the long high uh, notes and those lyrics would be would normally be because those are emphasis points so she reworked it to be emphasized in a different way which is a very smart thing to do unfortunately you do get older older rock stars who don't realize this so they will try and hit those notes that they used to be able to hit for long periods of time but they can't so they'll attempt it and and it sounds like they're murdering it which is just a shame when that happens 
when the team when the creative team has turned around have not been able to be bold enough to say look we advise that you don't do that do it like that how about you rework the song in a different way so you can continue to sustain your voice for the whole of the uh, tour fortunately debbie harris was able to recognize this because at the end of the day you have to be fair to debbie harris she's 76 years of age doing an hour and 45 minute show and i'd like to see how many younger people can sustain uh hour and 45 minute show and hitting every single note for a long period of time that because i guarantee you a lot of singers that in this day and age could not even replicate how debbie harris sung those songs originally they just couldn't because they don't have the vocal training like they used to it's just how it goes and debbie harris bless her she recognized what her her current ability is and reworked the songs around it and it still sounded just as good as it was originally done in it in the in the original way that you have to respect as an artist as a performer to be able to say you know what i can't do that anymore i'm gonna do it in a different way and it'll be just as good and it was well done debbie harris being to be bold like that and to gracefully bow out of some of those high notes that you knew that you just couldn't do i applaud you i really do i really do and to compensate for those different parts of the voices where she was where she was actually uh, pushing herself the uh, sound engineer would have to ride the uh, rest of the mix up or down to be able to cope with it and as a result of pushing the uh, band up and down in the mix to compensate for Debbie Harris's uh, vocals, you did get the odd bit of feedback. It's just one of those things that you'd have to accept if you're going to push the band up and down to uh, compensate for someone's vocals. Now, how was Blondie received? So even with that odd bit of feedback that I was saying, um, you had massive rounds of applause at the end of every song. Blondie would get the audience to sing along and she completely interacted with the audience whenever possible. You know, she'd be uh, constantly animated around the stage. She has definitely got the stage presence still. She definitely has that. She's definitely got her rock star qualities. She still, she hasn't lost it. Not one bit has she lost that. And it was refreshing to see that, especially when you have Debbie Harris being 76 years of age and still being able to do an, a full hour and 45 minutes set every day on her tour. It's something to be applauded because not many people can still do it at that age. Most, pe most artists would have retired by that point but not Blondie, not Debbie Harris because she wants to do it for her fans. She loves her fans that much, that's why she's out there, so her fans can still see her and she still gives a real entertaining show and she still gives a good vocal performance for the majority. Obviously, if you factor in the reworking of certain songs because she could no longer hit certain notes for a sustained periods of time, but she still gave a very solid performance and you have to applaud that. Now I just hope, I really hope that this wouldn't be the last tour that we see of Blondie. I hope that she's got at least one more tour in here. The last time I saw Blondie was like three years ago, so six months before the pandemic maybe. can't quite remember off the top of my head, but I have seen her before. And yes, 
back then as well she still had to rework some of the songs so so she knows what she's doing she knows her vocal ability and how certain notes are waning because let's face it even before Luciano Pavarotti yet passed away he recognized that he could no longer hit certain notes as well so yet again he would rework some of the songs that he would sing because he just couldn't hit them even when he died with such an immensely powerful voice as it was he couldn't hit notes so there's no shame in reworking songs around the loss of vocal ability through age and Blondie is a great example of this such a great artist and Debbie Harris is such a great vocal artist and being able to recognize and for Debbie Harris to recognize what she can no longer do and still turn it into strength is something to be applauded with a bit of luck there'll be at least one more tour before Debbie Harris retires but Blondie will always live on Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If, you, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more content from Master X Media, which you can find on our website, which is www.masterxmedia.info. And we will catch you next time. Bye for now.